Hello, I'm Dave and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. Today we bring you the first of three recordings from our Tragic Christmas live event which took place at the Dogstar in Brixton on the 12th of December. This event was a fundraiser for the Brilliant Arts Emergency. Find out more about Arts Emergency by going to arts-emergency.org. And here is Act One of Tragic Christmas. Hello, everybody. Hello. I think we can do a little bit better than that. I know we're cold in this room at the moment. Uh, we're just getting into the tragic Christmas spirit. Uh, so let's hear a little bit more. A louder hello. You can, you, can still, you can still be loud when you're... In fact, tragedy is all about being loud. Being loud about your pain. Uh, so I want to hear a pained uh, hello now. So hello, everybody. Hello. That's nice. That's nice. Welcome to Stand Up Tragedy. Uh, my name's Dave and I'm your host. And at Stand Up Tragedy, what we do is we have people stand up on stage and do tragedy. It's a, a variety night where you'll get comedians, you'll get storytellers, you'll get music, you'll get all sorts of things going on. And that's what we do at Stand Up Tragedy. So tonight, we are in the middle of the winter, or the start of the winter, really, it's only started to get really chill just the last few days. But I felt like it was a good time to start a show with this quote from Brecht, <laughs> uh, which goes, In the dark times, will there also be singing? Yes, there will be singing about the dark times. <laughs> and it's the winter, and it is dark outside. Uh, but I think we can all agree that it's quite dark time in the country, it's a dark time in the world, maybe. And what we do at Stand Up Tragedy is we look at that darkness uh, in order to have a cathartic experience and feel a little bit better, kind of get to understand that darkness a little bit better. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight. So we're doing a few things that are new tonight. Well, one of the things I want to say that we do is we're a podcast as well, so if you enjoy what you see and uh, hear tonight, uh, you can hear it again. <laughs> In a, in next week and the week after on a podcast uh, but also uh, you can tell your friends to listen uh, if, if, you, if you think they should uh, <laughs> so uh, another thing that we're doing tonight is we're launching our fanzine uh, which is uh, two quid all of that money like all of the money uh, on the tickets or anything else that we do tonight uh, goes to Arts Emergency I'll say a little bit more about them in a minute but I want to at the beginning of the night, show you our fanzine. This is our first copy. Uh, the editor of this fanzine, Liam, is going to be doing live art at the back of the room. Uh, he's waving there. He's ill. Everybody's ill tonight in the stand-up tragedy team, so we hope you don't get, get, our, get our germs. But it seems appropriate for a tragic Christmas for us all to be ill. But Liam's going to be doing some live art, and he put together this fanzine. There's some contributions from various people. Have a look through it. Uh, consider buying it. Uh, that's a good idea, in my opinion. Uh, there is also, over here, the tree of tragedy. <laughs> And in front of that tree of tragedy, we have some kind of Christmassy labels and some pens. And during the night, if you feel that there is a tragedy that you want to put on the tree of tragedy, write it down, put it on the tree. Because what better thing to do with the sadnesses in our lives than to decorate a tree with them? 
don't you think? So that's what we're going to do. Uh, but be aware that if you do write down your tragedy and you put it on the tree, uh, it may be published in uh, next month's fanzine. So don't write anything down that you don't want to be published in a fanzine, uh, basically. Uh, <laughs> so... As I said, it's a particularly tragic time of the year uh, because it's winter. Uh, it's Christmas coming up as well. I don't know how people feel about Christmas in the room. Uh, let's just do a little test of that. Uh, let's, who loves Christmas? Uh, do a cheer if you love Christmas. Fair enough. Uh, and it, give a cheer if you hate Christmas. Well, no, no booze, but a couple. No, booze don't count as cheers, do they? So I guess there's like one person. Uh, give a cheer if you feel very, very complicated and ambiguous about Christmas. Yay! Yeah, that's me too. Uh, you'll see why throughout the night. Uh, so, as I'll be sharing my Christmas memories with you. Um, the thing is about Christmas, everyone thinks it's a very happy time, obviously, and, and a baby is born who's going to save the world if you believe in that, that stuff, which is fair enough if you do. But if you remember... It wasn't just about that baby being born, it was also about millions and millions of other babies being killed. So, so when you're celebrating Christmas, uh, have a little cheers for King Herod and uh, the tragedy of Christmas. Wow, yeah, there you go. And the other thing about it being Christmas coming up, I was thinking about this particularly because it's, a, it's a, a charity uh, gig for Arts Emergency, is that kind of, at the moment, we're sort of governed by a government of Scrooges who have never got good. I don't know if people are going to feel me on that one, but, I mean, like, when, 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 Scrooge, when, when Scrooge says, you know, uh, don't they have workhouses? Well, now they say, don't they have workfare? You know, that's basically, for me, uh, where we're at. So I feel like we should really embrace and explore the tragedy of this government and, uh, wherever we can and maybe uh, do our bit to get rid of it, uh, hopefully. So, which brings me on to the organisation who we are raising money for today. Uh, you've paid, you've paid to get in and that's helped them. If you buy the fanzine, that's help, that'll help them too. But also, feel free to donate. There's, uh, there's hats, Chester's hats. Stand-up tragedy team are wearing Santa hats of various descriptions. Get them to take them off and, and, and put some money in that. Arts Emergency uh, are an organisation who are committed to uh, basically changing the way that, that the arts work in that we've got gatekeepers, I'm, I'm sure many of you will agree on that, that there is a barrier for many people who have not got the money or the uh, education or various other things that, that you need to get a foot in the door of the arts. And what Arts Emergency does is they are trying to pull that gate wide up, gate, pull that gate wide open and allow everybody to get through that gate. Uh, so you should definitely check them out at arts-emergency.org and find out more about them if you don't know already. There's a bit about them in the fanzine. I will be saying more about them as the night goes on, but I don't want to really front load the night with admin. But Arts Emergency are a really great organisation. Check out and give generously, please. Because that's what Christmas is about, yeah? Giving things to people. So that's one of the reasons that we're doing this gig as a charity event. So another thing that Christmas is about is spending time with the people you love. So hopefully we're going to do that tonight. Um, I can see there's groups of people. I arranged the chairs to try and encourage groups and uh, people feeling familial and friendly with each other because that's kind of what Christmas is about. And if we're going to be staring into the dark heart of Christmas, we should at least keep warm together. 
Uh, and that's really what tonight is about, as I said earlier on. It's a cathartic journey. We're going to have a sing-along at the end. We will go to dark places, but we will also go to happy places. So open your heart for both, and I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, well, we are running a little bit late because we've got loads of complications, but we're going to have like 10 minutes now or so, five minutes for just like talk amongst yourselves and get ready, and then at eight o'clock, five past eight, I'll come on and uh, witter some more at you, but in a more kind of performance way rather than this kind of wittery way that I like to do when I'm comparing. So yes, happy, tragic Christmas, everybody. Music back up, if that's all right. Okay, right. Hello, everybody. Nice. So this is uh, the... First act of stand-up tragedy, and I would, would like everybody to put their hands together for our first performer tonight. Put your hands together for Dave, everybody! Hi, I'm Dave. <laughs> Thanks for the unnecessary heckle to start. So I'm going to do a really serious true story, so the heckling might want to stop. Um, so, one thing I realised about Christmas is, I mean, I may have had happy Christmases growing up, but I, uh, I can't remember any because of this story, I think. Uh, there may have been happy Christmases before this story, but this, to me, is where Christmas starts. So, all the presents are arranged around the tree, and it's Christmas Day, and... I am eight years old, eight or nine, and it's my job to uh, go around the tree, pick up the presents, and give them out to the members of the family. That's my job. I don't mind the job. It's an okay job. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm giving out the presents to the family. Now, the mood and the atmosphere in that room is not very Christmassy. It's very tense. You see... What happened is the family moved to a place called Coventry in the, in the Midlands. Now, I don't want to diss Coventry. I have done in the past. I'm not going to do it today, not just because there are uh, people from the middle of uh, the country in the room, but also because it's unfair to diss Coventry for the experiences that I had there. But the thing is that when we moved to Coventry, my family split into two places. There was my dad's house in a flat, in fact, a flat which was in a very bleak area of Coventry called Stoke Aldermore, which is kind of like uh, very, very bleak. That's a good way to describe it, you know, like there was a Rottweilers barking all day long, you know, and there was broken windows all the time and the local shop, the Asian shopkeeper, was repeatedly hounded out for, for being uh, Asian and uh, it was a nasty area. But the, my dad's flat was like an oasis in that that area of Coventry. My mum's flat, where I spent majority of my time, uh, was, you know, it was a, a suburban road. It wasn't that bad, a, a, an area. But the atmosphere inside the house was not very good. 
my mum and my stepdad basically were in the process of a protracted sort of four or five years ripping a part of their marriage. And the, the house had very thin walls, so all of their arguments that happened could be heard by me and my, my little sister uh, every night. And that's the context that this Christmas was happening in. When I think about Coventry, I think about the two cathedrals. Uh, there's a new cathedral and there's the old cathedral that was bombed in the war. And the new cathedral is very beautiful and... Uh, and modern and new and it's like everything about it it's an instrument like it's actually the whole building is an instrument Uh, whereas the old cathedral is a ruin that was bombed during the war and 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 when I think of my those two houses those two places I grew up in during that time I think of them as like the old and new cathedral these two different extremes these two different shades of my life so I'm giving out the presents and I'm doing my job, and I you know, haven't opened my presents yet at all. I'm waiting to do that. I'm going to give out all the presents first. And I f- sort of give out the presents, and then my mum says, you haven't given out all the presents. And I, I look around, and I, there's a present just right round the back of the uh, Christmas tree. So I sort of pull it out, and it's the last present. So I look at it, and it looks like it says Dave. So I open it up, and it's a Mars bar. Now, I don't really like Mars bars that much at the time, or now. Uh, but, I, you know, you're supposed to be grateful for presents, so I'm like, thank you. My mum stares at the Mars bar in my hand, and she starts screaming. And she says, I'm selfish, I'm greedy, I don't care about anybody else. And I look down at the, the present I've opened, and it doesn't say Dave, it says Dad. And so it was meant for my stepdad. And it was the kind of... It was supposed to be from my sister to my stepdad. But my mum had obviously instigated that present. My sister was six years younger than me, so she wasn't old enough to buy presents. And my my mum had put so much into this Mars bar, I guess. This was like a very big symbol to her. It was supposed to sort of sort some stuff out. But I'd opened it. I mean, I didn't know... I couldn't contextualise... I couldn't say all of that stuff when I was eight... But now I'm looking back, that seems to be the case. And she said, you know, you're a horrible, horrible person. You've ruined Christmas. I mean, I'm not shouting as loud as she was shouting. She was shouting very loud. It would hurt your ears if I shouted that loud. Uh, And she said, you've ruined Christmas. She screamed and she slammed the door. She stomped up the stairs and I could hear every single footstep going up the stairs. My stepdad grabbed hold of my arm. And uh, he pushed me back into the Christmas tree. And I can sort of, when I think about this memory, I can still feel the, the needles of the Christmas tree sort of prickling my back. And he said, you've let your mother down. You've ruined this Christmas. And he hit me. And that is what Christmas means to me. But, I mean, it didn't end there, my Christmas experience, and I'll give you a few more... It gets more positive as it goes on, so I'll give you a few more little nuggets throughout the night. But I just wanted to really bring us down at the start of the night before I introduced our first performer, so... So, uh, our first performer tonight, who isn't me, thank God everyone's thinking he's... There must be something nicer to be said about Christmas. I mean, and and I should say, I mean, I'm not claiming I had a really bad childhood, right? 
There are a lot of people who had a much worse childhood than me, and I'm not claiming anything, anything differently. Now, this is making it even better to bring you on like this. I'm going to go really into like, problems that people have in their childhood, and then I'll bring you on, yeah? Uh, <laughs> so uh, our first performer tonight is Steve Cross. You can find him on Twitter, at Steve hyphen... No, not hyphen, underscore Cross... Uh, there we go. Uh, he is. Uh, he organises some amazing events like Bright Club, Science Show Off, uh, Museum Show Off, Specialist Subjects. All of those are really, really worth uh, going to. If you enjoy tonight, then go to those because they are uh, excellent shows with a variety of different people speaking. Uh, and if you don't enjoy tonight, go to those because they're they're different, so you don't have to worry. Uh, so, with that, everybody, put your hands together for Steve Cross. Can I have another cheer, please, ladies and gentlemen, for David Pickering? I have to ask all of that over a Mars bar. Dave, you are essentially only alive because the Mars duo hadn't yet been invented. I think it's fair to say that if you unwrapped one of those bad boys, you would have just been severed into tiny little pieces. That's amazing. And thank you for telling such a very sad story. Because if there's one thing before you tell jokes that you want, it's domestic violence <laughs> aimed, aimed at children. That's why the NSPCC, for fucking hilarious adverts all the time. I laugh. Uh, mm, right, this is the kind of start to where I'm going. Uh, could you give me a cheer, please, if, if you have feelings? That's, is that nearly anyone? Did anyone not cheer? Or did this person next... Oh, I can hear me. Did anyone, like, notice the person next to them not cheering? Yeah. Right on the front. Do you not have feelings, madam? I try. Well, the, the fist bump, fist bump. So I did a big personality test at work this week, and apparently I do not have feelings. Uh, I am a robot sent from the future to do work. Uh, and no one would sit on a table with me after they read that out. Um, so what I wanted to do today... So stand-up tragedy is quite a hard gig for me, because I have no feelings. The, the, Tragedy for me is comedy. I'm like, ha ha, they're all dead. Uh, that's why the NSPCC adverts are hilarious. So what, what I wanted to do is artificially create as much feeling as possible in the room uh, in order to, to see whether I can actually feel anything through all of this. Um, so what I started off by doing was I tried to think, what is, what is the saddest thing about Christmas that I've ever heard? Now, admittedly, it is now the second saddest thing. <laughs> about Christmas that I have ever heard. And the saddest thing I've ever heard uh, about Christmas, it's actually something I saw, and it's something I saw last year. And it was an advert on the side of a bus. And this advert read, scratch cards make great Christmas presents. (laughs) And that's pretty tragic to start with, if that's where your Christmas is going. But, you know, I, I have a scientist's brain. I have no feelings. So what I did was I decided to test this hypothesis that scratch cards make great Christmas presents. And I bought my youngest sister, newly married, newly pregnant. You know, she needs things. She's got a new house. I bought her ten scratch cards for Christmas. And that was all I bought her. Uh, And then I asked her afterwards to describe what it was like to have, you know, this incredible present. Because that's not one, that's ten scratch cards for Christmas. And she said uh, she had a brief flicker of hope. There was a tiny little bit of interest and then just a feeling of kind of emptiness and sadness. And at that point, I did not do a joke about sleeping with me, because that's my sister. Um, but the, the other thing is, being a scientist... No, seriously, she won two quid. Uh, so we're eight quid down on the whole thing. Uh, some good cause somewhere is a couple of quid up. I just hope it's not the opera, because I don't fucking care about opera. Um, put that in the podcast, by the way. Um, LAUGHTER 
Yeah, I'm getting fired. No, where was I supposed to be? Yeah, so I did... Uh, the other thing I had to do was to do a control. So I had to test other presents against these presents. So for the rest of my family, I put bets on, for all of them. I put bets on that cost the same as scratch cards. And the amazing thing was that happened was scratch cards, you get them, you go, scratch cards, scratch, done. If you put on a bet on something that happens in six months' time, suddenly that person, it's like a really old-fashioned Christmas. They get a massive sense of anticipation. They get really interested in something for a while. So I put, for my dad, I put 10 quid on Ang Lee winning Best Director at the Oscars. <laughs> I, and my dad, not that interested in arty films, suddenly he has seen Ang Lee's entire back catalogue... <laughs> He's seen every other film that's nominated. He's like emailing me. Oh, this microphone's terrible. Should I try the other one? Suddenly he's emailing me and telling me all about all the Oscars gossip. He didn't quite get as far as who's going to wear what dress. But it wasn't far off it. And then Ang Lee won it. And my dad then starts emailing me, when am I getting my £100? When am I getting my £100? When am I getting my £100? Which I think are the emails that he's enjoyed sending most in his entire life. Because uh, that's, that's kind of what he's like. And um, so then I put 10 quid uh, for my mum on the royal baby being called George. So she won 90 quid. So I am miles, I am the king of betting. Essentially, 60 quid in, my family finished 248 pounds up across all of them. Um, so that worked really well. Also, it proved scratch cards do not make really good Christmas presents because the return is only about 60%. Normal bets is about 87%. Much better to put money on the football for your family than a scratch card. I should, I should point out at this point, you know, that when, when you're giving to, to, to charity today, you're not actually giving to Neil, you're giving to Arts Emergency, just in case that wasn't entirely clear. <laughs> right, so... Uh, our next tragedy performer uh, is Lucy Ayrton. Uh, she impressed me so much with her amazing show, Lullabies to Make Children Cry. You can find her on Twitter at Lucy Ayrton. She is a spoken word performer. And put your hands together for her, Lucy Ayrton, everybody! Hello, everyone. Happy tragic Christmas to all of you. Um, so I was going to open with a really kind of cute call and response thing where I ask you what's like the worst thing that can happen at Christmas. Um, my answer is different to Dave's. So I'm just going to say what I was looking for. Office Christmas parties. <laughs> Shallow, but I feel there's an essential truth there. Um, has anyone had an office Christmas party yet this year? Yeah. Did anything awful happen at any of them? In the past? Is this just me? Do I just work for shit companies? Was there anything really grim happening on the boat to make that worse? Just <laughs> Did she say employees as well there? That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Okay, well, um, my first ever Christmas party when I was a fresh graduate, really excited... First job in marketing, pretty Christmas party frock, head of finance was sick down my leg. And I was like, this is the world of work. I should never have left university. They made me. Um, So I would like to do a poem um, based on my experiences at that job as a whole. It's called Fuck You, Corporate Land. It goes like this. In corporate land, every day is the same. 
every day there's a meeting and management claim that last week was a great one because of their skill but still there's room for improvement with you so go out and kill them knock them dead eye of the tiger roar of the bear yeah every day you'll go back and you'll sit at your desk like the rest of the drones and you'll stare at your phone like an old enemy every day you will sing the heartbreaking refrain hello corporate land can i help and you'll give all your tasks about 20 percent, even though you know full well you're meant to be giving 110 and then you'll worry all day you'll get found out and sent to the manager's office that's full of the scent of bad coffee and lies and you'll stare at his tie and you'll try not to cry while he tells you he's really disappointed lucy actually and you'll want to say mate you're disappointed When I was a little girl, I was going to be the world's first brain surgeon slash rock star. Now my job's to put lies into pie charts. I know you wonder why I come in with toothpaste down me sometimes. It's because I don't really like looking in the mirror. You're disappointed. But you can't, so you smile and say sorry and aren't and think, fuck you, corporate land, because in corporate land, every day there's a fight between you and your head and the you in plain sight while one kicks and she hisses the other one kisses the ass of corporate land because in corporate land there's just so much to lose underneath you there's someone who's better than you with her freshly pressed shirt and her nicely shunned shoes and her not really understanding the concept of despair and one day she'll get you one day you'll lose or maybe you'll let her maybe you'll choose to say Fuck you, corporate land. Thank you very much. So, um, Dave mentioned my show, Lullabies to Make Your Children Cry, which I turned into a book. Look. Ooh. Um, These are available for £4. They would make a very good Christmas present for a child you wish to upset or an acquaintance you didn't care for particularly. Um, So see me in the breaks. Okay, so um, I was talking to a friend of mine um, earlier who is a lot more street than me, and she says that if you want to do new material and you're a slam poet in America, you go, hey, guys, new shit! And then... (laughs) She really said that. I don't know if it's true, but she said this. And then she says, the whole audience goes, yeah, new shit. Um, and she said that I should ask you if that could happen tonight, because the idea is like you say that it's a brand new poem and you're feeling really vulnerable about it and it's not going to be amazing, but everyone's like implicit in being really supportive anyway. Um, so let, let's see if... This works in Brixton as well as it does in DC. Allegedly, she could have just been taking the piss. Um, But guys, (laughs) hey, new shit! New shit! Awesome. Okay, awesome. Um, Thank you very much. So this is a poem that I wrote, um, particularly for stand-up tragedy. It's called Worrying About Santa Claus. I was standing in M&S when it started, looking at pants. Men's pants. And I thought, does my boyfriend need more pants? He hasn't said that he needs pants, but, I mean, surely he does. Surely everybody does, right? So I picked them up, and I thought, 
Maybe instead of buying them and just giving them to him and saying it was his turn to heat the ready meal up, ha, because I bought him new pants, maybe I'd wrap them up and I'd put a note on them and say that he'd been a really good boyfriend recently, what with all the microwaving of the ready meals, and so he deserved new pants and I'd sign it from the Nicker Ferry. I know that that sounds like a bit of an arse, but I thought that it might inject some sparkle into an otherwise humdum Tuesday. We like whimsy, that's like kind of our thing. So I held these pants, these men's pants, and I could see our whole future stretched out ahead of us, me and him, running out of pants and noticing and creeping down in the night to leave glitter-frosted knickers on the kitchen table. And maybe one day we'd have a kid... We'd leave her pants there as well. And she might not even realise where pants really came from until she was embarrassingly old, like seven or something. And that would give her something really funny to say when they do those icebreaker sessions and they're like, tell us a wacky fact about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Thought that'd be kind of cool. Um, So there I am, holding these pants, thinking about a little girl that I haven't even decided that I want to try to conceive and I start to worry about Santa Claus because... That whole thing really sounds like a lot of pressure. Um, What if she found out way too young and she hated me for ruining the magic of Christmas? Or what if she found out way too late and she hated me for lying to her and she'd get teased? Um, They say, don't they, that you love kids more than anything. The first time you see them, you get crushed by this massive wave of love and it sweeps everything else away. And I don't understand that. Like, how could I, but... Sometimes when I'm on the bus and behind the kind of baby that smiles with its whole body, I think I can nearly imagine. And I wonder, this kid that I love more than anything, do I really want to lie to her? But there's a difference between lying and stories. I know there's a difference. I still get a stocking, even though I'm 27, because I'm an only child. (laughs) For a few minutes, every Christmas... I really do still believe that then I never actually asked if Santa was real or not. Is that the trade-off? Truth for magic. I know it sounds like a lot to be worrying about this whole existential Santa thing, but it's easy for me because I'm really, really good at worrying. I can worry about having left the oven on while I'm actually in the act of turning off the oven. And if my period's late, I can simultaneously worry that I might be pregnant and worry that something's wrong and I might not ever be able to have kids. (laughs) Which I suppose might be what I'm really worrying about. So anyway, I'm still an M&S. I'm still holding the pants. Thank you very much. Have a lovely evening. Wow, there we go. I mean, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. I was talking to a colleague at work about uh, that issue of when do you tell your child whether, whether, whether Santa Claus exists or Father Christmas. Never. Right. I still do, I do a letter and everything. I wasn't So, like, if you went up to your mum and said, look, I know, she's still going to, like... Oh, you would have, yeah. But if somebody did, she'd just bluff them. Well, fair enough. Um, but, yeah... <laughs> Uh, my, my colleague at work, her decision was, well, she, she, she initially, apparently, when her child was born, she decided to, to, to say Columbo brought the presents. 
and uh, there was there was like uh, you know clues and stuff. Sounds like not a nice thing. And then and then at a certain point, she decided, well, I'll make it the uh, the, the the present fairy, and it was like the the tooth fairy, but with presents. Uh, and then she sort of said, oh well, okay, Santa. But then she had to go to the grottos and stuff, and she wasn't very keen on meeting the, the Santa Claus, his Father Christmas is in grottos. So then uh, then uh, she, she she told her kid that that Father Christmas was was really Jesus. And then she had this really complicated thing of how do you deal with that? And then she's just like, oh, apparently, like two weeks ago, she was just like, no, it's just made up, right? Her kid's six, but she, apparently her kid was fine with that. So there you go. It doesn't always have to be a tragic moment. Uh, so, uh, which brings me on to, we're going to have a break now, uh, which is what, uh, where we can do the Christmas tradition of drinking uh, and smoking and all of those sorts of things. Also, there is the tree of tragedy. Uh, so feel free to write your tragedies down and share them and decorate the tree with tragedy because, I mean, I think we can all... We can all I hope that this is a safe space. I told a story earlier on that would imply that it was. So uh, it's a safe space. Share your tragedy. Kind of own your tragedy. That's the way forwards, I think. Um, And uh, yeah, we're going to have a break. Tree of Tragedy says, some words about arts emergency. We had a lot of words from Steve Cross about arts emergency, which are a little bit misleading. But one thing I would like to draw people's attention to is that if you sort of go to bit.ly slash alt old boy, you can join up with the alternative old boys network, which is not boys necessarily, and it's not old people necessarily. It's everybody helping everybody get up uh, and get into the arts and... All of the people in this room qualify, I believe, to become a part of the, the Alternative Old Boys Network, yeah? Yeah. So you should do it. Uh, get involved. Uh, I, I, I think I am, but we, we were trying to work out earlier on. We couldn't work it out. So maybe I am, maybe I'm not, but I'm going to do it if I'm not. And uh, finally, yes, you should uh, check out the live art at the back of the room that Liam is uh, doing. You can find Liam at liamwilday.com. And uh, you should also have a look through the fanzine and buy it. Uh, thanks very much. We're going to have a break, about 15 minutes, and then we're going to come back and do some more tragedy. Get, get drunker, get drunker. See you later. Join us next week for Act Two of Tragic Christmas. Share your festive tragedies with us on Twitter using the hashtag TragicXmas. Make friends with some tragedy by friending us on Facebook or following us at Stand Up For Tragedy on Twitter. Our website is www.standuptragedy.co.uk And we are back with another live night of tragic variety on the 17th of January where we'll be exploring tragic beginnings at the Hackney Attic. And for now, the tragedy is over. This podcast was recorded by Stephen Harvey with music from Sam Wilkinson and George Brofton. Dry your eyes, it's time to go.
time to go.